When planning the road to success, there are a few steps to keep in mind. Identifying and solving the cause, facing and embracing change, goal setting, and being accountable. We'll talk about this today on Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. New and healthier habits lead to prosperity in all areas of your life and business. Now, here's your host, Chris Salem. Well, welcome everybody. Hope everyone's having a great week. It is a beautiful day here in the greater New York City area. We hope the same for you. Spring is in the air, but you know, where we are, we're not quite sure. You know, anything could happen where we live here in the Northeast. But again, we hope uh, everyone is having a great week. Again, if you have any questions related to anything that you're working on for Q2 moving forward in your business, feel free to reach out to us at Sustainable Success. Uh, coaching and consulting at 203-733-8469 or email us at chris at sustainablesuccess.net. That's chris at sustainablesuccess.net. Today's show is being brought to you today by uh, uh, Biz Explosion Conferences. They are organizers of events for business uh, entrepreneurs uh, throughout the country. And their next event is coming up in Denver, Colorado, June 9th through the 10th. This will be the Achieve Biz Explosion Conference. And I can tell you firsthand, I've been to these conferences and they are spectacular. You meet great people and not only meeting great people, but these are potential opportunities to generate business, forge potential partnerships, joint ventures, everything that can add and grow your business, including increasing your net profit margin. If you'd like more information on this event, feel free to reach out to Achieve Biz Conference conferences.com. That's achievebizconferences.com. That's B-I-Z. And again, I highly endorse this uh, particular event, been there, and I will be speaking as their keynote at this event. And we'll be covering a lot of great things to accelerate your revenue strategies to the next level. So that way, when you increase your business valuation, you're going to be able to walk away from your business for all the effort that you've put into it over the years. So with that being said, we got a wonderful show uh, for you here today. But before we start, those that are new to Sustainable Success, we welcome you. Again, we encourage you to not only follow us on the now Voice America business channel starting April 27th at a new time at three o'clock, but also on our Facebook page at Sustainable Success 2017, and then also on Apple at Sustainable Success. There you will be able to capture all the past episodes that we've had over the last six plus years, you know, talking to CEOs and visionaries and great coaches and consultants from around the world, sharing their word of, words of wisdom to help elevate your business and personal success to the next level. Today, we're going to be talking about practical tips for business agility. And these are going to be some things where you're going to be learning some critical five mission critical strategies for building a thriving business or a nonprofit we have someone who uh, understands nonprofit and not understands business agility at the highest level. We're going to be talking with Sarah Sarah Olivier, Olivieri, and I got that down. And before I introduce Sarah, I want to be able to give a little background. She is a business leadership coach and strategist with a passion for helping organizations thrive and a number one international bestselling author. Sarah has fundamentally a different way of looking at things, an ability to see a kernel of opportunity, to flip a problem on its head, and to understand which levers to pull for success. And she's poured her strategic brilliance into the heart of the Impact Method, which is a trademark program, a leadership and operating system that helps businesses 
get out of the weeds, rapidly pivot away from the ineffective and create a co-coordinated, systematic, systemized way to develop and execute strategy effectively. As the former director of three nonprofits and five-time for a for-profit business founder, Sarah has over 18 years of leadership experience. She states that when people talk about leadership, they talk about the individual leaders and individual leadership skills, but that is only half of the equation. The other half is how you define leadership structure. As the co-founder of the Open Center for Autism and Executive Director for Helping Children of War Foundation and the Deputy Director of GRASP, she felt and understand deeply the challenge challenges and complexities facing nonprofits. And without further ado, we welcome Sarah Olivieri to the show. Sarah, how are you doing today? I am great. I'm super excited to be here. Yes, it's so we are so excited to have you here. And we always love to discuss, you know, new strategies, tips, and you know, and and uh, when we talk about business agility, you know, these are areas, especially in this this world we live in today and how businesses operate, there's constant change going on. And and this doesn't matter if it's a nonprofit or a for-profit business. But before we start, Sarah, can you talk a little bit about what is business agility? So those those in the audience that maybe don't understand will have a better understanding of what that is. Yeah. You know, in some sense, it's a buzzword, right? But yeah. I think when if you want to just think about it in a nutshell, it's the ability to kind of be nimble with your business. And of course, the bigger it gets or the more complex it is, the more being nimble and adjusting to changes and complex dynamics, it gets harder and harder and harder. And we have this world that's getting more complex. And so we need to be more nimble. We need to be more agile. And so business agility is kind of like, everything that falls into how we run our businesses so that we're not, you know, big, slow barges. I'm a sailor, so I like to use water <laughs> water <laughs> analogies, right? We don't want to be that big barge that like takes miles to come to a stop and can't turn, right? We want to be like the quick sailboat or motorboat that can zip, zip and change directions when we, to take advantage of opportunities. Yeah, no, Absolutely. So, I mean, we, you know, there are many businesses out there. I mean, every day, I mean, there are more entrepreneurs and small businesses out there, you know, obviously businesses, all different sizes, what, you know, leaders, uh, you know, have a lot on their plate. And so before, I guess we talk, get into the, 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 you know, the business tips or practical tips for business agility. Can you talk a little bit about what it takes to be a leader? And, And I know you had, there was two approaches to this. Yeah, And then we'd like to maybe if we could talk about that and lay the foundation before we get into some of the tips for the business agility. Yeah, you know, uh, there's lots of ways to define leadership. In fact, I have this big book behind me um, called the Bass Handbook of Leadership. And it's like if you know the encyclopedia, what was it? The um, the one that was like one volume when, when we were kids. It was like super thick. It's like a four inch page a uh, four inch thick book, um, all just describing leadership. Yeah. Yeah. Style, I remember those right? books. Yeah. They're <laughs> yeah. With the you don't, super you don't see too many of those these days. <laughs> That's right. So, but there's one of those just on describing leadership styles, right? Because there's so much to talk about with leadership. But when I think about leadership and how I want to talk about, I'm going through the lens of like, what's useful for our businesses today. And I think of leaders as people who are ready to be accountable for 
outcomes, meaning things that they don't have direct control over, because it takes a certain amount of bravery, <laughs> tolerance for risk, um, and willingness to, you know, just go forth and be accountable for something. You know, it's like being a parent, right? You're accountable for your kid, but you don't really have a ton of control over your kid. You have some, um, but they're kind of like this independent operator. So I like to think of leadership in that regard is when we're moving through the world. And that may or may not come with a position of authority, right? You could be a leader without authority and still be taking. And, and ultimately, if you're leading, if you're in charge of something that you don't have direct control over, right? No amount of authority. <laughs> It's going to help you out. And so I think in today's world, when that's the kind of leadership, how do we influence outcomes um, that really drives businesses forward to success if they can have leaders who can do that? Yeah. You know, and it's so important. I mean, and would it be safe to say before we get into the agility, I mean, leadership doesn't have to be just like, hey, I'm a manager or I'm a director or I'm the CEO or I have this title. You know, if we're talking about people, it, everybody's got to be a leader in some way. I mean, we have to follow certain people. Don't get me wrong. But it, but it, there, we have to lead in our role and our duties. Would it be safe to say whatever those are? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so much. I think our world today is characterized by things that are changing quickly, things that are complex, meaning like we can't necessarily see what the right answer is, right? The ca cause and effect is not obvious. <laughs> and just that there are regular navigating in this world requires that we can try stuff and see what happens and then quickly adapt based on the results because we are not going to know what's going to happen necessarily in advance. And that's something that all of us are dealing with regardless of our position in this world. Yeah, no, so true. So true. So yeah, I mean, so when it comes to agility, and you know, the ability now to really, you know, be more effective in our as leaders in our roles, you know, regardless of title. And, you know, again, and I'm a firm believer that when organizations understand how to lead by example, and it starts at the individual level, then the team, then the organization, those are the ones that, you know, not only have higher retention, like you said, you know, because I know you're an expert in the area of building a thriving culture, but it, it lends itself outward to the people they serve. They create more, more, more better experiences for the for their clients or their customers or their patients, whatever, again, whatever that business is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think you're hitting on one of the, you know, key elements when we talked about like the five strategies, right, for running a thriving business. One of them is uh, well, we have to have great capacity. And the best way I know to really max out your capacity as an organization starts with two pieces, and neither of them are having more money or more people. They're about really having a clear internal brand. In my work, I have kind of a, a mini framework for that that I call the heart of the brand. But it's basically knowing who you are as an organization what everybody believes in that's kind of like we're operating under the same belief system and a set of like rules of the road. We're all kind of showing up and behaving in a similar way. And then we get this alignment. And when we have team alignment, then we have good culture, right? So the culture is like part of the alignment. It's like this effervescent thing that grows as we have better and better alignment. And as we grow a team that's aligned, 
everyone's happier, everyone works better, everyone's rowing in the same direction. And it just brings people, like people can feel it, right? And then you get aligned customers, right? We don't want just aligned team members. We want aligned customers because they're going to stay with us longer. They're going to be happier about our products or services. They're going to spread more word of mouth and all this like goodness is going to happen. But there's this other piece about leveraging capacity, which is really about how do you organize people? How do you distribute power and decision-making power, right? We have lots of types of power in the world, but in businesses, who has the power to make a decision can really change the way you operate and what you end up doing. And that's where, you know, we can start talking about like leadership systems and, and what. Yeah, you let's do that. I like, I like what you just said there. And I love the fact that that capacity, and it's not about more people or more money, it's maximizing, you know, like, again, what you just talked about there. So, yeah, if you could share more insight to where you left off there, that would be wonderful for the audience. Yeah. So, you know, so much of us, you know, we hear leadership all the time. And it was like, you know, what's a good leadership behavior or a leadership tactic or something you can say? And all that is important. But we also have leadership structures. And I bet if you asked yourself, like, do we have an, have we intentionally chosen a leadership structure in our business? Maybe you have, but I bet for a lot of you, you're going, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> so how can we intentionally have it, right? No one's talking about what our leadership structure is. So for those of you who are like having that moment right now, let me tell you, like a leadership structure is how you delegate or organize who's in charge of who or who's in charge of what. And we have great examples in governments, right? So you probably all heard of a democracy and an oligarchy, right? Or a monarchy. These are leadership structures. And kind of unfortunately, most of us in our businesses have just inherited our cultures, especially in the U.S. default leadership structure, which is essentially an oligarchy. It's a hierarchy of people in charge of people. <laughs> and then those people are then in charge of tasks, right? So it's all about who gets to be in charge of who and how many people you get to be in charge of, right? It's all about controlling people. And that's great if you want to consistently produce the same widget over and over and over again and make sure that power stays consolidated in a small group of people. But that kind of leadership structure is not good if you want to be innovating, if you want to be expanding your capacity as an organization and getting everybody's brain involved with making even better decisions. Um, and so if, if you really want to be great at business, I would say you need to pick a different leadership structure. A different leadership style. Because yeah. they can be fluid, right? You know, it doesn't have to be one. Sometimes it might be more directive in an autocratic or democratic way, but it, it could be, you know, a servant coaching. It can be, you know, some variation of that. So yeah, if you could share some more insight to that, because I mean, again, you know, it, it, yeah, there might be one that you kind of gravitate that's going to bring more people together. But then again, there could be, you know, it could be a, a, a mix of, a, of a, a couple of them or three of them, depending upon the situation. Yeah, and absolutely, you can employ leadership structures at all kinds of levels, and you can have like mini organizations inside your larger business or organization. But, you know, overall, what I say for business is that um, 
businesses are about getting outcomes. They're about getting results, right? That's why we have businesses because it's something that we couldn't just happen on our own. We couldn't make it happen on our own. We needed to have a group of people. And so as we come together as businesses, we need to be focused on those outcomes. And so I encourage people to have a leadership structure that is based on defining what are the outcomes we need to have control over, not who are the people we have control over. And I think in a little bit later, if you want, we can get deeper into, well, what are those kind of key outcomes and, and how do we actually put transition from people in charge of people to people in charge of outcomes? Because we can get so richer results and then we can start distributing leadership around business outcomes instead of around just, you know, kind of who's in charge of who, because people don't really like that, you know? Exactly. No, exactly. And that's what, you know, <clears throat> what I, I, we could definitely do that in the second segment because <clears throat> it, it's not about, we can, if we're tied to outcomes, then we're, we're caught up in the control we can't control. But if we can focus on where we're at with what we have, then we're more likely to be in control of what we are in control of and then hopefully trust the process then leading to the results we see. Can you share some insights about that? You know, in the next, I know we got to go to break in about, you know, two and a half minutes, but that will kind of maybe pave the way to what you're going to talk about, like what you just talked about and how to give the listeners some more insights, how they can make this transition or modify what they're currently doing in their organizations. Yeah. So, you know, let's just take a, a quick example here. You know, a common outcome is um, get more leads, right, for your business. It, you can't force people to be leads, but you sure can do a lot. And we usually call that skill set marketing, right? But having a marketing department or your job being marketing is only describing the skill set, which is a stepping stone. It's a tool in the toolbox to getting the result. And if you start putting people say their job is to get more leads, now we've eliminated every, if anyone's been in a business or situation where we've always done it that way, when your job is to get an outcome, the we've always done it that way argument just goes away. There's no room for it. We don't have to solve it. We don't have to teamwork through it. It's just irrelevant. And it's gone from the conversation because the question is, does this type of marketing get these leads? Does this other type of marketing get these leads, right? Is this activity getting the result we're looking for? And then we start to get everybody's mind focused on the result and the power to get the result, and then they let go of the power dynamics between fellow human beings, right? It's not about like, well, Sherry wanted to do it this way, and I don't like her style. Who cares? <laughs> We're focused on the results. So it's literally changing what people are looking at when they're thinking about their work, when they're thinking about their day, when they're thinking about their job satisfaction. Yeah. Well, this is powerful. And I know this is going <clears> to <throat> really tee off everything that you're going to go into in the second segment, because uh, this stuff is just so important. And again, we encourage those that, you know, that have employees or you work in organizations. This is a very important stuff. So we hope that you're taking notes. If not, definitely you have to listen to this show again, you know, listen to it, play it back, share it with your team. This is going to be critical information. And we got Obviously, more to come because Sarah is going to do a deeper dive in the second uh, segment here in this particular area. Again, we are talking about practical tips for business agility. We are here with Sarah Olivieri, 
And we have to go to break right now. But when we come right back, we got more to come because we got more mission critical strategies to share with you on establishing business agility in your business. We'll be right back after the break. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects. Surrounding yourself with family and loved ones. Nurturing your spirituality. Maintaining a healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness. And being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about eliminating limited beliefs or unblocking mindset barriers for entrepreneurs, sales professionals, business leaders, and professional athletes to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of resolving the root cause to the problem. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the problem but do not address the root cause to it. You now have the opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consultation calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now... Back to sustainable success. Well, welcome back. If you're just joining us, we're talking about practical tips for business agility. This is definitely for you if you are a leader. Doesn't mean that you have to have the title, but again, a leader, how you lead by example, because it always starts with you before you can impact and lead others to do the same for themselves. We're here with uh, Sarah Olivieri, and she, in the first segment, had talked about some of the things about you know different styles of leadership. Again, the importance of setting uh, outcomes. And now we're going to be, Sarah, I know you're going to be talking about goal setting, but not this goal setting that we're all, we've all heard before. So I'm really looking forward to hearing this. And I'm sure the the uh, listeners and those listening later are going to love this part. So if you could share some insights to goals and how to set them and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you, my knowledge and expertise, which is now quite vast in setting goals, came from me finding myself in a state where I just said, Sarah, you suck at setting goals. Like, you know, not that I couldn't, I just couldn't write them properly. Like I never felt like they were clear. I never like felt like I was making progress towards them. And so I said, time for a nerdy deep dive, which, <laughs> which, which I'm happy to do on just about any subject. I don't feel good, uh, very qualified to talk about. I will go deep, deep into the research and I'm not afraid of going into, you know, the academic journals of it all. And so that's what I did. And I found out lo and behold, the academics have solved the goal setting problem many, many years ago, long before there were SMART goals or OKRs. And once I took their language and was like, okay, let me turn it into like regular language, which I'm going to give all of you. I was like, oh, now I understand how to set amazing goals and I can teach it to all of you. So here's the thing. I'm going to give you like the secret sauce first, and then I'll go into like what I don't like about OKRs and SMART goals and some of the other things you've heard. So 
mostly every goal is actually two parts. It's two goals that work together. There is the outcome. We start, you'll hear me talk about outcomes a lot because that's what that's why we come together as people, as organizations, as businesses, as communities to achieve outcomes. That's what brings so much human satisfaction to get something to happen. You didn't have direct control over, right? So um, there is the outcome side of the goal, the thing you want to achieve that you don't have direct control over. Like, you know, I might want Chris to give me $10,000, but that's his choice to do. I can't force them to do it. I mean, I maybe could, but that wouldn't be in the realm of business or what's legal, right? So um, so here's this outcome. Now I have to sec- set a second goal. I have to set what the academics call a process goal. I call it an execution goal because it's something you can execute on, right? It's the doing goal. What is in my power that I think will have the result of Chris giving me $10,000, right? So I could, you know, put together an offer of services or something that I think like this is one you can't refuse. Like this is a, you know, $500,000 offer and he'll think he's getting away with murder giving me $10,000 for it, right? I could, you know, beg and plead. I could send him emails every day, right? So now I have the goal that I can execute on. And then from that goal, I can turn that goal into projects and tasks that I want to work on. So now I have a true strategy, which we use the, misuse the word str- strategy and strategic all the time. And it's important to know that word because it is a goal plus the things you're going to do to achieve it. And now you know it's actually the two goals, the outcome and the thing that you are in control of, the execution goal or the process goal. And then it's the task list of all the the tasks that you're going to do. And the benefit to this, besides having really clear goals finally, is you have two measurables. When you don't achieve your goal, now you can ask yourself, is it because I didn't do the goal that I had control over? Or is it because I did it But the thing that I thought would get Chris to give me $10,000 just didn't actually get him to give me $10,000. And if that's the case, is it something I can change, right? Is it like I could just put another offer in front of him? Or is it like, you know, the economy collapsed and Chris no longer has an extra (laughs) $10,000 to spend on something? Does that make sense how it's like, you know, we really have these two pieces, Yes, absolutely. I love that, and 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 that's a de- definitely a different perspective on it. That I, you know, that again, because when you think about it, there's always going to be a, a different perspective. Everyone's going to see it in a different way. Some people may still resonate with things they've, you know, been conditioned to. But yeah, that's a very interesting perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'll give you a real life example of this. Uh, the other day, uh, just yesterday, actually, I was on a call with my coaching clients. Um, they're nonprofit CEOs, and we were talking about the program for a fundraising gala. And the question was, what you know, what should I put on the front of my program, or is it any good? And I said, well, what do you want your program to do? What is the outcome that you want it to have? And at first, it was like, well, we want the people at the gala to learn this or that, but learning is like a stepping stone to something bigger. What do you want them to? do? What action do you want them to take? 
right? Do you want them to donate? Do you want them to call you later, right? And then once we were clear clear on what this program might do, right? This program could get them to possibly to donate. Another outcome that we floated, by the way, was um, we wanted uh, this organization provides music programming and they wanted the, the superintendents and school principals coming to the gala to restart mu- music programming at their schools. And I was like, I don't think I don't think the program has that kind of influence. Right. It's not going to get a school program restarted in a school district that's shut down music programming. But it might give you an opportunity to have a phone conversation with a superintendent, right? So then we can say, all right, what can we put in this program that will get people to do a small step? Because a program, you know, can only do a little bit. Um, So that's a kind of a real life example. So what's wrong with SMART goals? What's wrong with, okay, I'll let you guess. Yeah, yeah, what, let's, what would I, I, I say, this. Chris, is wrong with SMART goals? What do you think? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, with SMART goals, I mean, you know, S being specific and being measurable, and it mm-hmm. all makes sense. Yeah. You know, are they achievable? Are they actionable? They Are they relevant? And are they time-oriented? So it does make sense, you know, but, but in reality, it's... It's like, what does specific mean? You know, like not everybody, everyone's going to have a different perspective of what specific is, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's like, cause you talked about what is control? What can I control? What can I not control? If I'm putting down things that are specific that are beyond my control, then it doesn't matter what I do because I can't control it anyway. So I, that's right. I'm chasing and you just my nailed pattern. it. The, the smart goals framework, if you will, or method doesn't account for outcomes. So if you take the SMART goal, you know, acronym and you apply it just to process goals or what I like to call execution goals, then it starts to become more meaningful. But you know that that SMART goal isn't going to be that great if you don't know what the outcome is first. And pro tip for everybody, when setting goals, first set the outcome then choose the execution goal, the thing that is achievable for you, right? You don't want to be going the other way because then it's like your, uh, you know, your your goals are leading your outcome instead of you deciding. Well, yeah, and that makes sense. But now, could you now if you set an outcome, the key would be what you don't want to keep your head tied to the outcome because then you could get control, get caught up in what you can't control, but know what the outcome you're seeking, but then bring it back to what you can control and then focus on what you can control to execute it. Don't make a project or a task list to try to achieve an outcome goal directly. We're literally making a daisy chain. And when I do goal planning with clients, we use like a mind map kind of tool or a workflow tool, right? We draw a bubble (laughs) or we create a box and we write the outcome. We make sure that it's an outcome. If we're being specific here, right, we have to ask, is this an outcome or not? Is it something that I have control over directly or not? Occasionally there's a gray area. And if it's gray, I say just nudge it one way or the other, right? Um, In nonprofits, we have this very tricky language where we say, oh, we're going to raise more money. It sounds like we have control over it, but I say raise more money, just like we're going to increase revenue. Sounds like you have control over it, but it's code for we're going to get other people to give us their money, (laughs) right? And once we state it like that, 
then we go, oh, we don't act. That's an outcome, right? Getting other people to give us their money. So state the outcome, make sure it's an outcome. Then you can draw a little line in your little mind map chart and make your next bubble. And you can have multiple um, execution goals leading to one outcome. Some outcomes are really big. In nonprofits, we often have ultimate outcome goals, mission impossible goals, I like to call them, that are our mission statements, right? Like, you know, end hunger. Kind of, you know, kind of big, kind of not achievable, <laughs> at least in maybe a, an organization's lifetime. And yet that is the goal, right? So then we draw our little line. We have our various execution goals. And then from the execution goal, start listing, okay, what are the projects? So the goal might be to rebrand right? And then we might have projects like project one, hire a branding agency. Project two, do the work with the branding agency. Project three, implement our new brand and educate everyone across, you know, across the company on it. So my problem with OKRs, I feel like OKRs got close to this, but they really messed up when they labeled things, right? Because Mm. they have, it stands for outcomes and key results for those people who haven't heard of it, right? So What's the difference between an outcome and a result? Like, do you know? Like, I don't think there really is one. (laughs) You know, action, reaction, action, result. I think a result is an outcome. And I think they just didn't really, I think they were getting close to this idea that there are outcomes and then there's things, the key results maybe are things that, you know, you could do. There's different ways. Well, yeah, there interpret. could be an outcome, but it can either be that it, it worked it worked within what you were looking for or there's an outcome and it's not what you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think it it's good intent, but there's so much room for interpretation or misinterpretation. And I've seen people say like, oh yeah, I do OKRs. And they're, in, they're doing it totally differently than someone else who's doing OKRs. And I think the language we use is important. If we want to be communicating across a group and get everybody aligned, right? That goes back to this capacity thing. We need to be careful about our language. We need to do our best to make it as clear as we can. And still, I always assume that most people are misunderstanding me most of the time, which leads to me being very happy, right? Because I'm never surprised when people don't understand me. I just assume that's the status quo. And if I try really, really, really hard, then maybe people will understand me. So, you know, it's the same, like, describe your outcome, re-describe it, revisit it, describe the process you're going to do or the multiple process or execution goals you're going to have to try to achieve that outcome um, and be as clear as you can and choose your words carefully, which is why I don't like to use the academic process goal because when I first learned it, I was like, I don't really know what that means, process goal. Eventually I was like, oh, it kind of means it's a goal that has a process that you're in charge of. So, but I just renamed it to something that that had clear meaning to me, execution goal. And you can rename it. I give you all permission to rename it to whatever reminds you, oh yeah, this is exactly what that thing is. I mean, it also, it means that you don't lock, correct me if I'm wrong, it doesn't lock you into like, hey, if if this was the the first plan, a strategy we were going to use, but something didn't work, but now we found something that if we tweak this and modify that, that might now it, we're seeing progress. So it, it makes it that there, it's fluid that we can yes. make changes where necessary to continue executing. That's right. And, you know, sometimes you may change outcome goals, but usually if you start doing this in the form of business strategic planning, what you'll find is your outcome goals um, take a while to achieve. 
Some of them may take years to achieve. Those will stay more static, more stable, but your execution goals will may change if, especially if they're not working or sometimes, you know, we all know in business, like sometimes things work for a while and then they stop working because like the world changed, right? Like, or Facebook changed, <laughs> which they do all the time, right? Like um, something out of your control changed and now your execution goals no longer make sense. Or maybe they're working, but you just hate them, <laughs> yeah, right? Like <laughs> they're just no fun and it's making everybody miserable. So you'll start to see, and you'll, like I said earlier, you know, there's, you'll have these new measurables. Is it, is it that what we're doing, that we're not doing it right? Meaning we're not actually fulfilling the plan or does it mean we're, that we're doing it, but it's not getting the results we want? You know, yeah. you talked about the, you know, the value of speaking for your business, right? Is it that you don't know, you don't have the skills to start up, you know, a speaking uh, component of your business? Or is it that speaking isn't actually getting the results that you wanted for your business, that outcome? whether it's more clients um, or to be known, right? To really have that awareness, market awareness. That's another outcome, right? That you don't have control over, uh, things like that. Um, so then you can start, you won't have to, you know, some, some of us and in nonprofits, we go after big goals, you know, <laughs> big, you know, like I got one, one uh, nonprofit, they want to cure cancer, right? Big goal. Really, really big goal. Definitely doesn't fit into the smart, the smart framework. And it, and but we we need to keep coming back to. We're chipping away at this big goal, and now we have all these kind of measurable execution goals. Like we did this, we did this, we did this. This worked a little. Let's do more. This didn't achieve the results we expected it to. You know, should we go after an expert to come up with some goals that we might not be thinking of? Right? You got a lot more options and a lot more opportunity. Um, to make things better. Got it. Wow. This is great stuff that you're sharing here and and definitely a different, well, great perspective on, on how we can look at goals. And again, it's not going to be always one size fits all for everybody. And, and it's just a matter of finding what process works. And I like the mind map concept, you know, because it kind of gives you a little visual other than just words itself that make make it stick out. We have like just about less than a minute, uh, Sarah, before a break. Anything you want to uh, you want to summarize or finalize with what you talked about goals? Yeah, I'll just give, you know, for those of you who aren't like, I'm not a CEO, I can't just make all these decisions. You can still think about goals in your life. And I'll share a personal example, right? And in your job, in your life, you know, at any level, um, my son, who's 10, uh, has a lot of anxiety and is learning to skateboard. And I took him to the skate park to go skating and he was scared to get out of the car. And at first I was like, and we drove away. He wouldn't get out of the car. We drove away. And then he changed his mind and he wanted to go back. And at first I was like kind of angry and annoyed. And then I reminded him, I said to myself, what's the outcome you're trying to get, Sarah? And I was like, the outcome is that he pushes himself a little past his comfort zone to get out there. And I was like, well, if you just drive home and you don't turn around, you have zero chance of getting that outcome. But if you go back, which is yes, annoying, maybe you will. So we went back, yeah. got out of the car. He had to, we had yeah. to wait until dark, until everybody left the skate park. But once the yeah. sunset, he went in, he skated for five, 10 minutes. He got the big smile. He did it. And I achieved my outcome, but I wouldn't have turned around. I wouldn't have gotten through my got frustration. It. If he hadn't, if I hadn't have said, uh, what's the outcome? 
Awesome. Well, I love this, Sarah, Sarah, what you share. We have to go to break, but when we come back, Sarah's going to be sharing some more information about practical tips for business agility. And we'll be right back after the break. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects, surrounding yourself with family and loved ones, nurturing your spirituality, maintaining healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness, and being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about unblocking mindset barriers for sales professionals, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and all types of people to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of the problem or challenge. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the effect but do not address the root cause. You now have an opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consulting calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, back to Sustainable Success. Well, welcome back again. If you're just joining us here, we are talking about practical tips for business agility. We're here with Sarah Livieri. And if you are uh, just joining in, again, we highly encourage you to listen to this show in its entirety here later today, here on the Voice America Influencers Channel, soon to be business channel, starting on April 27th. So, Sarah, I know you have shared such great information uh, uh, here into this particular area. I know you have some other mission-critical tips that we still have to address that you're going to share here with us, and we'd love to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we covered squeezing out that leverage capacity right at your core. We covered um, getting a really actionable strategy, which I like to think of if your strategy isn't like a GPS, right? It tells you where you're going, shows you the map, gives you the turn-by-turn directions, right? Um, that's really, really important. And I have three final strategies for you, um, which are, are quick and easy to teach. And the first one is around innovation and improvement, right? We have in this world, any, everyone basically has to be able to innovate, right? In the past, maybe not so much, but now because our world is changing, we have to be adaptable. We have to be agile. And how do we do that? Um, I know a lot of businesses break their work down into quarters, In the impact method and what I teach my clients is we actually break our work down into two-month cycles, less than a month, less than a quarter. And because it gives us a chance to improve more frequently. So instead of, so, you know, every quarter, maybe you're looking at your strategic goals. We look at our strategic goals every two months. It's easier for the brain to like think about what's an eight-week plan 
you know, instead of a full quarter plan worth of work. And if you're coming back to things every two months, things aren't getting fuzzy. You know, if you ever felt like you worked on the quarter system and like in that last month, you're a little bit like, what, what's our, what are we doing again? Like it just starts to get a little fuzzy. I just heard somebody teach a course on quarterly planning and they literally said in the last month, everything starts to get a little fuzzy. So why wait that long, right? Why not do it every <laughs> two months, right? Like you just said there's a problem. And, you know, when I hear a problem with the system, I'm like, well, let's just change the system. That's just how my brain works. So if we start working more frequently, looking at our strategic goals, we don't want to look at our strategic goals too frequently though, right? Otherwise, we're all, we're at risk of changing them so much, and right? And then we start to have whiplash in our businesses, but two months works. And then inside those, the best way that I know to be agile in an innovative way is to work in sprints. Now, depending on what kind of projects you're doing, the length of the sprint can vary. But overall, as businesses, two-week sprints is what I found is the sweet spot for most things. Because one week, if like someone's sick or something happens, is just a little short. Um, and more than two weeks is just a little long. Two weeks is a really nice chunk to be reviewing, not your strategic goals, but your work plan, right? So we're just going back and looking at the work plan and modifying it um, as needed every two weeks. So that's how we get really good at improving. But there's one more thing people don't talk about often when they talk about agility, which is taking respite, taking rest, right? We oh, yeah. I, again, harmony. You got to have harmony. Yeah. Have to, mm -hmm. And being innovative is a creative process, right? We need our brains and our brains can't just like we can't be innovating all the time. We need to stop. <laughs> and we need to just not focus on any goals. And we need to chill out, whether it's vacation or it's just a work break, right? Like we just don't have any goals right now. We're just status quo, maintaining the minimum, just letting our brains do whatever they want, time to just rest or read a book or just relax, right? And that is really, really key to innovating. So I call it respite rather than rest. And I like to say respite is part of the work, right? So it's really, really important. You won't innovate as well if you aren't taking respite. If you follow my little formula of working in two-month cycles, you will find there are now four extra weeks in the year which you will totally have gained back in time by working this way. And that's what I like to say. Take those four weeks as respite weeks and spread them throughout the year as makes sense for your organization. So we have two more strategies and they have to do with risk, right? So the first three are really all about like, what is this leadership system? Like, how do we organize everybody? But no matter how, right, you know, like if our capacity is like how fast a car we have, and our strategy is about like, how well do we know where we're going? And our ability to improve is about how well can we upgrade our car and upgrade our, you know, our where we're going and our map to get there. Risk is the road, right? Are you, if you're, if you have all those things, but you're on a really bumpy road, it's going to slow you down and it might send you off course. You might end up on a detour, right? And there's two types of risks that we really need to mitigate if we want to feel like we're thriving, right? If we want to feel like we've got this momentum and it feels really good and like things are like going better and better and better. And they have to do with the risks related to the things you know you don't know. The academics call this the known unknowns, right? Like, 
I know I don't really know how to do Facebook ads very well, right? <laughs> how do I solve that? I get knowledge either in my own head or I hire somebody else who already has that knowledge, right? We get expert training or we just hire an expert who has the training. That's how we mitigate the risks of the known unknowns, the things we know we don't know. And then there's the other ones, the unknown unknowns. Those are the things you don't know you don't know, right? This isn't the bump you can see in the road. It's the sinkhole you're about to drive over and have no idea. <laughs> but the thing about the things we don't know we don't know is usually there is an expert in our road that we're driving on who can see the unseeable, the things that we can't see, they can see because they have the combination of experience, knowledge, expertise to see stuff that we don't see. I'm a, I'm a sailor. I'm a sailboat racer. And one of the things I'm often teaching people who are new when they get on the water is how to see the wind on the water, how to tell how strong it's going to be before it gets to you, how to tell which direction it's coming from. And you can do this just by looking at the water, but people who aren't familiar with it, they can't see it. Like a puff of wind is just a big surprise, right? And those of us who know, we're like, yep, we've been like calling it out. It's going to be here in 10 seconds, five seconds. It's going to be this strong <laughs> from this direction, right? So the way you deal with the things you know you don't know or the things you don't know you don't know is it's always good to be working with experts, whether that's a mentor or a coach, you know, like you, I bet you do this for your clients all the time. You say, hey, there's danger over there that you can't see, but I can, and I'm letting you know. And so that's where we're never going to get away from having outside experts support us in our work, no matter what it is, because they they smooth out the bumps in the road that we don't even know are coming up. Wow, that's awesome. Love it. Anything else like when you think about any other tips that that you want to expand on or you know that could you know anything that you haven't shared at this point. Yeah, wow, we have covered so you much. Gave, you gave some of those five. Yeah, there are a lot of great things there and there's <laughs> I mean some really golden nuggets in there and again we we highly encourage everybody listening to listen to this show again. Again, we'll yeah. emphasize that many times. Listen to again. What are some of the things that you're like, if you want to share in the next couple of minutes, uh, Sarah, some of the things you shared and how you've made different a difference in some of the nonprofits and businesses you've worked with where, you know, they kind of now approach this from a different perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to share that. And I'm going to try to like, embed it with as many real life examples, right? Because some of the, we've gone through so many big concepts. I've given a few examples, but examples can be such an important thing. So I'd say, you know, the experience, I had a client um, just recently who had a very successful convention, puts on a convention for thousands of people. Um, and as the convention was coming this year, in the past couple of years, it's been hard, challenging, you know, squeaking by, and this year it was like, she said, you know, Sarah, like now I just sit and I wait for the opportunities to fall in my lap, right? They're just kind of like appearing randomly from nowhere. But the rich conversation we had after that comment was she's done that capacity work. She's in alignment. She knows what her internal brand is, which means she also knows what her messaging. So when opportunities appear, 
she can now take advantage of them. She knows her strategy. She knows which ones to say yes to and which ones to say no to. So it's it's the she's taking advantage of the right opportunities, right? The opportunities may or may not have been there already, but she couldn't take advantage of them. She wasn't attracting them, right? She couldn't, she was acting reactively before and now she's acting proactively. She actually just the same person shared the other day that one of the apparent opportunities that she just said, I'm not ready to take action on this right now, um, turned out she paused, she waited, and it turned out it was a bad idea. And she didn't go forward with it. And she's really glad she didn't go forward with it. So there's a lot of richness to getting these kind of fundamentals in place. Wow. Awesome. I love that. And again, always a a good example really illustrates everything that you've shared. And and it's so valuable. And, you know, I want to thank you today for sharing so much great insight. And it it was such valuable information, you know, even you know, to see things from a different perspective. And I know that the audience got a lot of value. How can the audience get to know you a little bit better? Like, you know, where can they get in contact with you? What you, what are you up to and anything you'd like to share or offer them? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can find me at pivotground.com. That's my website. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Um, just search Sarah Olivieri. Um, and, you know, I'd say if you're a nonprofit, CEO or leader, certainly reach out. I'd love to help you, you know, get through some of the crud and (laughs) find some more joy. Um, If you love a nonprofit, (laughs) send them my way. Or if you're a leader of a for-profit business, especially for social impact, or, you know, you've got mission-driven, I encourage you to reach out if you're saying, yeah, I want I want to do this stuff in my business. Um, I do take on for-profit clients as well. Um, and you can certainly reach out to me directly about that. Um, but mostly my, you know, my greatest joy in my work is to get those results for my clients, is to be working towards those outcomes. And my biggest biggest fear as I share my knowledge is that people won't implement. And I'll tell you, I spent, you know, probably like Chris here too, I've spent many hours learning, testing, revising, refining. I come to give you my hard-earned, great information, but it does nothing if you don't implement it. So I'd rather you implement one thing today um, then feel overwhelmed by the whole thing or do nothing at all. That's my, my beg, my beg of you. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I love it. Mm-hmm. Sarah, I can't agree. We are aligned in so many ways. We are about results and, you know, it's, and again, you know, everybody's not going to be on the same frequency. So we got to meet people where they're at. I want to personally thank you for being here today. You shared so much great insight and wisdom, and we greatly appreciate your time here today. It has been such a pleasure. I've had a great time. Um, and really, anytime, I'd be happy. Absolutely. And we'll definitely have you on a future show here with us for all the knowledge that you shared with us. Thank you so much. And listeners, we want to thank you each and every week joining us here at Sustainable Success. Again, we are committed to bringing in subject matter experts like Sarah in each and every week to share their word of wisdom, personal experiences, and knowledge to help move your business your organization, and your personal success to the next level. If you have any questions or like any insights, again, feel free to reach out to Sarah Direct, or you can reach out to us. We'll make sure to connect you with her. And any questions in regards to anything related to scaling your business to the next level, feel free to reach out to us at Sustainable Success Coaching and Consulting at Chris 
sustainablesuccess.net, chris at sustainablesuccess.net. Till then, everybody, have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you next Thursday. Thank you for tuning in to Sustainable Success. Be sure to join Chris Salem and his guests every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Have an incredible week.